I'm not sucking on a Jolly Rancher. I don't know what you're talking about. Thanks for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Lizzie Sawyer. And me, Sam Reiner. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we invade reality and go into detail about a new book. We're going to be covering it from beginning to end, so remember, there will be spoilers. Today we're going to Sinful, Louisiana. Originally published in 2012, Louisiana Longshot is the first book in the Misfortune series. CIA assassin Fortune Redding finds that her cover is blown and that she has to hide in a small town in Louisiana pretending to be a former beauty queen. Soon enough, Fortune finds herself wrapped up in the small town's politics and protecting a woman who murdered her husband years ago. As the days pass, the twists and turns of the case soon prove to Fortune that even with all her training, she may truly be in over her head. My background is, you pick the book. My background is the same as the background for the Graveyard book. This is a book that my mom suggested for me. That's going to trend a lot in these episodes, is books that I pick are books that I've read because my mom was like, here, read this book. And my my family loves these books. Me, my mom, and my dad, we read these books religiously every time a new one comes out, which this author is still writing, and so these are still coming out. I think the most recent one came out, and it's... I think a summer-themed book. I forget what the gag is in the newest one because I haven't read it yet. That's on my list of things to read. But we're all very into these books. We're very dedicated in the characters. There's a book later on where one character does something to another main character. My dad was like, nope, can't read these. Can't read these anymore. And he ended up actually going back to them because he had to know what happened next. Did you first read it in 2012 when it came out or was it later? No, I started reading these probably two, three years ago. Oh, okay. So we got to binge through a lot before we caught up to where the author is now. Yeah, I've been trying to do that with a couple of series and not being successful because I'm a slow reader. But I know what I thought the cover was because it's a new book to me. So that makes it really easy. I didn't know of its existence more than a couple of months ago. But do you remember what you thought it would be about? Or did your mom do the thing with the graveyard book and tell you what it's about? She did the thing that she did with the graveyard book and she told me what it was about. That also trends. That tracks. My mom likes to tell me what I'm about to get into. Because I'm more inclined to read something she suggests to me if she gives me sort of an idea of what the book is about. That's fair. I mean, it's good marketing for it. It is. I kind of thought it would be Louisiana Swamp Woman who goes on wacky adventures. And I wasn't completely wrong. I mean, you weren't. You weren't right either. But I was not expecting what I got either. It's definitely different. Yeah. But I will say, I knew this was independently published really fast. Oh, yeah? The formatting of the book, I've never seen a book formatted where the name of the author is what at the top of each page. I've seen the author's name and the chapter. I've seen the book in the chapter. I've seen nothing at the top of the pages also. But that was the first time I've ever seen on each page. She really wanted you to know she did it. Take good books though. And then there was also the whole thing where I flipped to the end to see how many pages there were. And at the bottom it said, the end. Read more at website. It was like, oh, I could tell immediately. And then I flipped to the copyright page and I was like, yep, this was published independently. Yeah, they good books though. I mean, she gets more money out of it. Though I do kind of wish she went through editing a little bit more because she had a lot of... I listened to the audiobook, so I didn't come across any editing issues because it was read to me. It was a lot of punctuation issues. Like there would be quotation marks where there wasn't a quotation or punctuation would be missing and just a lot of little grammatical stuff that I think could have been caught with a little bit more editing, but... There's probably a good chance that that gets better the further into the book series you get because this was her first book. This was the 
first book in this series, but it has a bunch of other books advertised. Oh. There was another series she had, and then I think she was two series, and then a couple of one-off books also listed at the back of the book. Oh, well, I don't know. I've only read this series of hers. Now we join Fortune as she meets with her boss, dreading the fact that she blew her cover. With a stiletto. I don't understand what her cover... Why are they trying to make her eye candy? She clearly cannot do this. I mean, she can. She just... At no point in this book has she ever proven that she could do it. Well, she doesn't need to at any point in this book. Yes, she does. She's supposed to be a beauty queen. She doesn't even try. I see why you keep blowing your cover. They keep sending you to be a girl toy and you don't want to do that. They allude to her having done it before. Yeah, but you can talk all you want. You need proof. A reader needs to see it, you know? Although if I had read it in 2012, given where I was, I would have been really, really into it. Being like, yeah, you talk about how you do XYZ, but I don't know, as an adult, you realize, hmm, you're telling me a lot more than you're showing me here. Also, in her defense, it wasn't prom queen, it was bimbo, which is a different set of intelligence skills, look pretty neck dumb, versus prom queen, where you have to look pretty, know about makeup, know about hair, and be intelligent. Beauty queen. The intelligence thing aside, it's still the same. Needing to put on makeup to look nice, doing your hair, all of that. No, you don't have to do it well to be a bimbo. You do if you want to be eye candy. All that aside, when she went into that undercover thing, they already knew she was an undercover agent because of the leak. So it's not entirely her fault. They did, but they need to stop sending on those missions. I mean, it's because she totally just killed the guy when she wasn't supposed to, which proved she was who she was, but oh well. I don't understand the setup for her, really, but maybe we'll get back to her. Let's talk about Ida and Gertie, because they're hands down the best part of this book. I love them so much. Ida's the head of this secret society, basically, and Gertie's like her number two. I mean, they're awesome women, but some of the stuff they do, they're the actual humor in this book. There's a lot of emphasis on how funny this book is, and it's Ida and Gertie. Like how they'll get in a boat, and Gertie falls back and then ends up accidentally shooting off her rifle when she's falling into the boat. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I love her so much. The whole glasses gag with Gertie is pretty good as well. Oh my goodness. Yes. And the car for Ida. Yeah. And Ida Bell has a very Southern name where it is Ida Bell. That's her first name. There's just so many things. And then how Gertie goes about things. She's both the cutest old lady and the most suspicious old lady at the same time. She is the most suspicious old lady. She continues to be the most suspicious old lady further into the series. I both trust you with my life and don't trust you whatsoever. I love her so much. Yes, no, I would more readily trust Ida Bell with my life. Oh my goodness. I love them so much. And I've shot this to you. I think they would have been great main characters. I don't know. I like having a 20-something, almost 30-something year old person that can look at it and be like, oh god, as the main character. Because personally, I like Fortune. I will probably like her in other books. This is the first attempt, of course. I think I've just outgrown her archetype. Like I said, when I was younger, she would have been absolutely the queen, and I would have loved her so much. Well, she's not good at undercover work, but she's definitely a decent assassin. Yeah! 
that was the only, I felt like the entire time it was just, oh man, if I was up to normal snuff, I would have been able to do XYZ, but I'm not, so I'm failing at this the entire book until we got to the end and then it's suddenly super graphic. That came out of nowhere. She does acrobatic throughout the entire book. I can only think of when she drops into Gertie's attic. She flips over Carter's fence twice. Hey, does she flip over it? I thought she just jumped over it. It's still one of those high security fences though. It's still relatively impressive. That one's fair. She manages to save herself several times with the boating shenanigans using different random acrobatic abilities. If it was D&D, she would have had to roll an acrobat check and she has high dexterity. On the boat, all I can remember is her falling into the boat and then the one time she fell out of the boat and had to swim. Well, she didn't fall into the boat. She almost fell into the boat and managed to save herself using her acrobatic abilities. And then there was Allie's boat where she definitely fell into the boat because she was asleep. Yeah, that doesn't count. She's asleep. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like a lot of her personality is tell instead of show until the end, until that climax where it's like, holy crap, okay, that just happened. I don't know. I felt like there were little hints at her abilities through the entire book, personally. I think I was too focused on the fact where it's like your only thing is you just need to be a beauty queen and you're like, nope, I'm just going to be as suspicious as possible the entire book. Also, I'm going to flash the officer a lot. Accidentally. Yeah, but when it happens three times, I don't care if it's accidentally. Author, you've used the bit. It's not shocking when the third time comes around and she's in a trash bag. As soon as she was in the trash bag, I was like, he's going to show up and say, hey, why are you naked? And then he showed up and said, hey, why are you naked? Yeah, that gets old. She doesn't use that in the next book. And then Allie's like, I don't know. He's not interested into any of the other girls. So he seems to be really interested in you. And it's like, well, he's seen her naked three times. If the second time one of these girls met him, they flashed him. He might be interested. Deputy Carter is a creep this entire book. You know, he's actually not a creep. In this book, he is. Why was he in her bushes? Just coming around. They never actually said why he was in her bushes. And then the dude walks up and he's just like comes out of her bushes is like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. Just because I've read enough of the books, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was in her bushes to see if anybody heard about the bones and went to her yard to see if they could grab any other bones before they came to the surface to help avoid the identification of the body. Then why was he in the front yard? But without having read the rest of the books, I would also agree that that is a bit creepy. But I have read them. I know, but we're talking about this one. This is the first one, the first example. This is how she wanted to introduce the world to this character. I know. This is why I'm telling you. He's not creepy in the rest of the books, I swear. Oh my word. I know. It's her first book with these characters. But yeah, he clearly got a bit and he got bitten by that bit. But I am hoping she figures out what she wants to do with him. Because it feels like during the book, she's not really sure how she wants to use him. Yeah. She wants to use him as an antagonist, but she wants to make it obvious he's a love interest. But she wants it to be enemies to lovers. And it's a lot you're writing on these very first moments. There are 11 books in the series now, it gets better. <laughs> so Carter is weird. Oh, and the Catholic church old lady, the one with the running contest, Celia Arsenault, who only pops up one time in this book with the running of the banana pudding. I think it's her niece is Allie. Yes, her niece is Allie. Yeah. She becomes a bigger player in the next several books and she is a... I 
figured she must be. They must come up. Honestly, I think the little town drama was the best parts of this book. Those were the strongest. Oh, the little town drama gets more hardcore in the next couple of books because there's a death in every book. Of course. Which is surprising considering how small this town is. You're going to run out of people eventually. Said with cozy mysteries. It's so funny how they're like, oh, it's such a charming little town. And they die. Yeah, and the main character always has a cute profession. It's never like newspaper or police officer. It's always like baker knitter, librarian. Yep. It's always these cute little professions and they just happen to keep finding bodies. Versus Fortune that's like, I'm a CIA agent, but this is supposed to be a small town. Why do people keep dying? I'm trying to hide. At some point, the body count becomes higher than the population count and we need to talk. I think she starts grabbing people from outside that come into town and then die to make it so that she's not killing off active town members. That always seems to be what happens it's like oh i've run out of friends that can die guess i gotta meet strangers now off of the thing i was trying to say before we went down this little side joint with the town drama it becomes way way more in the next few books because like i said there's another death in the next book and then i think after that the mayor dying is in a book and then the run for town mayor is in another book and then the election for the town mayor is in the next book jeez it goes by every couple of weeks is a book <laughs> which i noticed i think it's four days barely a week that goes by in this book. Yeah, and the next book is like the next four days. See, I would be suspicious about this town because it's one thing with those others where it's like, oh, that wasn't 4th of July. Now it's Thanksgiving and we found a body. But this one's like, nope, coming this summer. <laughs> Sinful. The massacre. It really is just the summer. And they talk about that too in later books. And the town people, since it, you know it's a southern Louisiana town, they're like, you're new, Fortune. You're new. All the deaths are because of you because you're new. And that becomes an issue later. I mean, I can't blame them. I know. But the town drama becomes way more relevant because of the frequent death. You get to know the town more and it becomes more drama infested. Which, like I said, I think that is the strongest things in this book. I think she realizes that because it definitely becomes more drama heavy. Yeah. Because... To be blunt, I don't care about Fortune's daddy issues. Please stop bringing it up. I get it. At least she doesn't bring them up as much as that one chick in Big Sky Secrets that was like, Oh, my dead husband. Oh. Yeah. I get it. Go to counseling. You clearly have some issues to work through. Stop bringing it up. Yeah, she never works through those. I liked when she brought it up with, I mean, she didn't bring it up, but the thoughts happened with Allie. Because I felt like it was really extending her personality and it felt like we were knowing her and I kind of liked it when it first got brought up with Detective Moro where this is her father figure and she doesn't want to disappoint him because oh I feel like I've disappointed my late father but it'll just randomly come up in her mind and I get that is how actual grief works it doesn't mean that needs to be the book it's weird. It's literally just brought up to be a reminder. Hey, remember, I have daddy issues. Yeah, I don't really have any comments on that. I didn't really have an issue with it personally. It just became her predominant personality trait. It was either Carter was going to show up, she was going to talk about her daddy issues, or Idabel and Gurney were going to do something hilarious. And I always hoped for number three, because they do some ridiculous stuff. Well, number three is always in the wings, man. That happens quite frequently. I'm not really random side note just talking about characters this author loves character names that start with M yep oh my goodness way too many main characters nah M characters are the 
man. Because you had Moro, and then she was pretending to be Sandy Sue Moro, and then you had Aunt Marge, Father Michael, Marie, Melvin, Myrtle, and so many main characters with an M. I feel like her randomizer broke down, or she was stuck in the M section of her baby book. I actually got confused on characters at one point, because I mixed up Marge and Marie for a little bit, and I kept calling them the wrong names, and I had to go back in my notes. Oh, oops. I've read through this enough times I haven't had any issues with that. All the really important people for this murder, all the suspects have an M name. Yep. It's kind of weird, but it kind of worked out, and a little part of me hoped this would be a trend, and it would be like, oh, I know you're a suspect, because you have the F in your name. Ha ha ha. Yeah, that doesn't continue on. I know it's not, but that would be cute. Let's talk about the murder. I don't know how I feel about the mystery. Yeah? I liked some of the twists. I liked how the entire book, they're searching for Marie, not Marge. No, Marie. They're looking for Marie this entire book, and they're convinced that she killed her husband, so it's, oh, we gotta save her and stuff. And then you meet Marie, and you find out, oh, she didn't actually do that. And they're like, oh my goodness, is it Marge? And they find those letters, which, by the way, with the letters... I thought that was cute. I immediately knew they were toward a woman. I don't know why, but the way the author specifically had Fortune be like, oh, clearly this was to her boyfriend or something. She specifically said boyfriend, and at that moment, I was like, it's a girl. She has feelings for a woman. Yeah, and she does. And she does. And so when it came back around, and I do like the twist with that, because at first, you read that letter, and she's like, oh my goodness, it's Harvey. And at that point, I was like, oh, crap. I was off. It wasn't a woman. It was Harvey. Holy crap. That got me for a minute. But I did like how Marie was like, that's not actually a comma there. And then I was like, ha I was right. I saw this. And I felt smart again. But I did like that. That was a good, even though I did kind of see it coming, I did like cheat through in that extra twist. So even if you maybe thought it, you might be twisted off and think it was Harvey because that would be interesting implications. Yeah, I liked that Marge really loved Marie. I thought that was very sweet. It was. It made a lot of sense because even if she was really in love with this dude, when she came back, she could have gotten married. But it would make sense if it's, no, I'm in love with a woman and that's not acceptable. So I always say single. Like, yeah, that would make more sense than I was in love with Harvey and then just never got married. Also, Marie got married while Marge was still off at war. So, I mean, even if Marie had been a guy, the marriage happened before she came back. It was all very heartbreaking. Yeah. It was a good story. It was really heartfelt. Like I said, small town drama is this book's strong points. That was good drama. Oh my goodness. You see these people, you think one thing, oh, they're so innocent, you don't think anything of it. And then you find out, hey, there's a lot there below the surface. Just because it's a small town doesn't mean it doesn't have its fair share of drama. It's got a lot of drama. And the drama builds. Oh goodness, does that drama build. Especially in the next book. That makes sense. I've lived in small towns and yes, they have a ridiculous per capita amount of drama. And it gets more. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta keep it interesting somehow. I mean, really. You do. And she definitely picks up on that because what does the drama build? But yeah, as a first book with these characters, I feel like it's a good tester, a good test run for the people she's working with. Because it's one thing to write a mystery and to have really good characters. When you have a series, you have to have characters that have good connections with each other. And I think with how Idabel and Gertie get along with Fortune is really good. Yeah. What they have in common. At the end, when she finds out, hey, 
these were all spies, basically, in the Vietnam War. It was like, that was really interesting. Counterintelligence, if I want to be more technical. But as Gertie says, spy sounds cooler. Spy does sound cooler. So that's really interesting. And then I do like Fortune's relationship with Allie. I think Allie's cool. I think she's going to be a good friend to have that's her age. Oh, they become such good friends. Yeah. I really liked Allie. She was chill. That was another nice thing. And like I said, she was the only person that was, I guess, age appropriate friend. Yes. And mild spoiler alert, Allie helps with the daddy issues indirectly later on. I feel like that's what she was setting up when they had that conversation. And that's what happens. She definitely helps a lot with helping Fortune figure out who she actually is as a person. Which is what a good best friend should do. Mm -hmm. There was a part, though, where Allie gave her a compliment and she's like, no one's ever given me a compliment before. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, she's only ever grown up around other CIA agents. Yeah, but I'm just sitting there like, no one in your entire life, no one has ever, ever. Probably no one that she cared about or cared enough to take seriously. But it was just like being a little bit of a drama queen. It is a bit much, yeah. I'm sure you've gotten compliments before. You just care about Allie's compliment. That's different. <laughs> it's one thing to be like, this compliment meant something. And there's another thing to be like, I've never in my entire life ever received a single compliment. I don't believe you. I feel like Hadley at some point has given you a compliment. Whether or not you wanted it was another thing. I really like Hadley at the beginning of this book. And I have not read another one of these where she's in it. That makes me sad. Hadley was awesome. I mean, she's based in Washington, D.C. And Fortune stays in Louisiana through the course of these books. So there's not a reason to have her. I know. But it sucks that she made a good character and now can't use it. Yes. However, she is a good character. Moreau's kind of blank. He's the boss character. He has a boss personality. Yeah. And then you have Harrison, which I kind of... Oh my goodness, sorry, I'm reading my notes. And one of my bullet points under him is, says Jesus more than a Baptist preacher on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> because I'm remembering the first time, that every time he would say something, that would be his reaction. <laughs> it's like, dude, he had nothing to do with this. <laughs> but I kind of wanted Harrison to be the love interest, especially after this book, because I kind of liked their frenemy relationship. Yeah, some of the comments. Where he thought it was so funny, she would have to dress up in pink, and he picked out her wardrobe, and stuff and she hates it. So I feel like they had a little bit more chemistry than Carter did. Because like I said, Carter's more of an antagonist than anything else. I like Ben. You want me to tell you something you're gonna hate? Does he die? No. Oh. No, it's worse than that. Fortune ends up with Carter. I know Fortune ends up with Carter. It's obvious. <laughs> okay. As long as it's obvious. Yeah, because as soon as I saw him... Okay, I didn't know when she threw her shoes in the pond. Which, by the way, I like how supposedly she can walk in stilettos, but these heels are giving her issue. She can't walk in. She can't deal with these. Well, they broke. She walked in them just fine. They just broke. I just... Hmm. That was the beginning of the end for me. It's not a testament to how she can walk in them. That's literally just, wow, these heels are absolute. I just thought it was funny. She almost immediately breaks her heel. And she's like, you know what I'm gonna do that's not suspicious? Throw them into the bayou. I also liked how he stops her and gets her in trouble for littering, but doesn't make her get her shoes out. At that point, I mean, it's bayou. They gone. I just thought it was funny. He stopped her. He's like, hey, you're littering. Bye. Didn't even give her a ticket. She knew in town. <laughs> also, she pretty. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't understand. Okay, so I'm looking through my notes again. So Gertie's there. She gets there. Yeah. And then Sunday morning comes. 
and she's banging on the door and is like, you got to get up and go to church. <laughs> and then Monday happens and then there's another early knock on the door and Fortune automatically assumes it's Carter. And I'm not sure why. Because he'd been there the night before, if I remember correctly. He'd been there the night before. And I think it was the way that the door was knocked on. But yeah, it was kind of silly to be like, oh, it's obviously Carter. There's only one person that would be knocking on my door like that. And then she gets down there and it's Gertie. It's like, really? This happened yesterday. I was like, I don't know. I think it'd be pretty obvious it was going to be Gertie. Carter only bugs you at night. I mean, sometimes he bugs her during the day. I will say the one time I did feel like they had some chemistry is when she was at the restaurant in town and he walks in and he tells the woman, he's like, hey, I want food. It's on her tab. She owes me food. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I know what you did with the burgers. <laughs> that was kind of cute. Yep. But that was the only cute moment. The rest of them, I was like, oh my gosh, Carter. Oh, they've got a really cute moment in the next book. I'm hoping so. It involves cookies. It's so, and I can't tell you because you can't know until you read it. But it's cute. <laughs> but up until this point, all she has done to receive his attention has been really suspicious, break a couple of laws, and flash him a couple of times. So, Carter, let's talk about your type real quick. I know you've lived in a small town and you went to be in the Marines. Carter, come on, it's not special. But, you know, main character, so obviously. Yeah. Number two island was hilarious. The whole concept of it. Yes. Yeah. Not even animals go there. Okay, but before we start talking about number two, while we're still talking about characters, right? Walter, though. I was about to talk about him, too. I think he's adorable. I like him. I love Walter. Walter is Carter's uncle. He's adorable. He is. And he wants to marry Idabelle so bad. I know. That comes up a lot, especially once Fortune and Carter get together that comes up more and more into the reasons as to why she won't marry him which makes sense and you can't really fault her for. I mean honestly even in this book her just being like I don't want to I'm like fair that's all you really need. She does though but she doesn't for a couple of specific reasons which I will not go into because you have not read that far. But I think Walter was adorable. She made Walter freaking adorable and I loved him. Walter is adorable. Walter's the best character. Hands down. There's a cookie gag where she's trying to avoid suspicion and he's following her around like a police officer. But if you weren't a police officer, kind of like a creeper. He has a Rottweiler. His name is Tiny. Tiny, yes. I love Tiny. I love him. I do think it's funny that she got some of the hair extensions out of the dog's mouth. And I was like, there's going to be strands left over. Oh, yeah. And then immediately he's like, hey, there were strands in my dog's mouth. And then there were. <laughs> I knew it. You don't just grab hair extension it's not one thing sure it is <laughs> gertie causing a flood in her car she just has the car window open and she's supposedly spraying her lawn but actually it's just like going into her car yeah car gags continue from this point forward oh my goodness gertie's amazing dude there's a better car gag in the next book and i want to tell you about it so bad and i can't <laughs> i mean yeah but gertie sending that one dude uh, pictures of his wife's skin dipping with his cousin. That was also hilarious. Yep. The cough syrup. Yes. Which I knew immediately. He's like, oh, she took a swig of cough syrup. I'm like, that's not cough syrup. That's alcohol right there. Oh, it's moonshine? Oh, all right. <laughs> and then later on, they're like, oh, it's a dry county. And I was like, oh, that's, this makes sense. Yep. 
This all makes sense now. Yep. Going back to the whole, hey, Tiny had some of your hair in his mouth. He decides then to start actually flirting with her. And all I could think was it'd be really smart of her to play along and flirt with him to get on his good side. What? No. That would actually be a really smart idea right now. But she doesn't. The second of the three scenes where she's naked, I don't care if he was tapping on the glass. What person doesn't even throw clothes on? She's like, no, I'm angry that you're tapping on the glass. I'm going to have a towel around me. That's how we met Melvin. I don't know. I think it's supposed to show that Fortune has a temper. Oh, like we haven't noticed. Well, yeah. It's part of her character. She has a temper. That was something her character would do. Just because you would not throw on clothes doesn't mean that her brain went to the same place. And then she got mad when Officer Carter was like, hey, you're in DC. Why are you out here in a towel? He's like, that's none of your business. <laughs> that's because Carter had the same thought that you did. And he was like, why didn't you put on clothes before coming to answer the door? <laughs> What is wrong with you? There are so many questions on that. The jury is out at this moment, unfortunately. Oh my goodness. Apparently... Ugh, I'm not even gonna get started on the whole, oh, I worked in the Middle East. I can tell you're an author who's lived in Louisiana their entire life. Yeah. Because it's very different if she's working in Israel versus Iraq. Yeah, the whole arms dealer thing is very vague for a good portion of the book series. Yeah. Honestly, she could have been anywhere. But at the end, they were like, hey, you worked in the Middle East, didn't you? You're tan. Guys! Yeah, but obviously the Middle East. I died a little bit on that one. Like, guys, you can get tan other places. Yeah. If you worked in the sun, no matter where you were, you would get tan. 2012, that's clearly the most pressing. Oh my goodness. Gonna keep going. For some reason, the Middle Eastern arms dealer hired Brazilian assassins. Like, we're not just not gonna get into this. No, just accept it and move on. A little bit. So about the time when Fortune shoots a hole through her ceiling, I did write a note. It's like, she's talked a lot about how good she is at stuff, but she hasn't really done anything bad at yet. And I mean, she does. By the end of this book, she absolutely does. But up until this point. Finding out Marge was a Vietnam vet was really cool, though. Yes. And I did kind of like that Fortune was like, I can't leave these uniforms ruffled. Yes. But I did feel like that showed a sense of honor. Yes, it does. I did like that. That was like, okay. It makes sense. That's where she finds the love letters. And then later, that's where she finds Marie, who has been hiding up there. Which turned out being a great hiding spot, because it took them forever to find her. Oh, for real? And I love how they joke about that. They're like, the CIA agent couldn't find you in the attic. And Fortune's like, there was a raccoon <laughs> and it's loud and I wear silencing headphones to bed. Shut up! <laughs> I feel like that would be great ammo for Harrison. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, they would have been so cute. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, knowing what I know at the end, I'm not 100% sure why Marie hides. Because she knows that everybody will think that she killed her husband. So she decides to do the most suspicious thing possible and hide. Yes. In Marge's attic. Yes. I don't know. I'm not Marie. The only thing I can think is that maybe it was fight or flight. She got scared and then 
then fight or flight kicked in and so she flew she ran away and then after running away realized oh well i've run away i can't just go back now because i've run away and that's already really suspicious for real though that's my thought on that i can see that it's just you hit the point where you're like oh well i've messed up and now i can't go back dang it i done goofed one thing that never comes up in this book is she's supposed to be sandy sue like she's supposed to actually act like sandy sue yeah and makes zero attempts there's even a thing where it's like hey she's really into knitting so you should learn how to knit and halfway through the book she's like oh everyone knows i can't knit i'm like you are terrible this had this cover yeah try please and at the end they're like we know you're not sandy sue and she's like oh how you don't knit you don't wear makeup you don't do your hair you don't do anything no <laughs> you haven't even tried well okay for obvious reasons you are obviously not sandy sue dang it you found my secret ha darling is this a joke because no i did get kind of mad at sandy sue's behalf though i don't like this book's shots at feminism because it makes the assumption if you're feminine you can't be feminist oh you're clearly putting women back because you were a beauty queen but now you're a librarian i'm like that's actually a really great thing she was a beauty queen and now she does something that uses intelligence and she reads a lot like what the heck guys yeah beauty pageants are still some of the biggest college scholarship awards that women have access to I did not like their shots at Sandy Sue and being like, you're failing women, but having buzzed hair and being an assassin, that's pro-women, guys. Mm. That's why I liked Gertie. She was very feminine, but she could also kick your butt. Oh, well, she can only really kick your butt if she didn't fall down first. True. But that roundhouse kick doll. Yo. I will admit, that soured me in the very beginning when Fortune was like, ugh, that type of woman. I'm like, shut up. No. This is not a stick to beat other women with. Bad. So that didn't help my opinion of Fortune. It seems like as the book progressed, though, they dropped it, which was kind of nice. I'm a little worried about Lethal Bayou Beauty. If she does join a beauty pageant. She has to. She's not in a beauty pageant. They do a children's beauty pageant. Oh. And the town's like, you were in a beauty pageant once. You should help. And she's like, oh, no, no. To be fair, though, the other beauty pageant queen that is in that book, which is Celia's daughter. I'm not spoiling anything telling you this. She comes back into town, which is why they do the whole pageant thing to begin with. She is an evil, manipulative little, you know, chihuahua, which just doesn't make it better. When I did beauty pageants, I will say I met some of the nicest, friendliest, most intelligent women, and I've also met women who are breathing our air. So I get that. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> the breathing our air. Well, Celia's daughter is definitely breathing out our error. Well, her error. But I would like a little bit of not painting with a broad stroke brush, I guess. We don't need to say just because you're in a beauty pageant, you're vapid and stupid. You can be vapid and stupid and be in beauty pageants. It's okay. I don't know if they necessarily, well, I can't remember. They probably speak out against beauty pageants, but I think it's more of a children's beauty pageant speak out against thing. Which I think is relatively fair. Because a big thing with beauty pageants that you don't see on stage is you have to go through these interviews and you have to be intelligent and charming and speak with people and be 
I don't like children's beauty pageants because you're just putting your child on display. That's different. Yeah, it's not that. Yeah. It's not that at all. Because how you get from X amount of contestants to the top 10 is all based on interviews. You have to talk to people. You have to be well-spoken and intelligent, have good goals in your life, be a good role model, etc. And then you get to the whole being able to walk in a dress and talents and what have you. Children's beauty pageants really are just, oh, I'm dressed up and I have a talent. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And so it definitely is one thing to be more of a talent show with a dress up portion. Like some child beauty pageants, usually the lower budget ones. And it's another thing to be toddlers and tiaras. Yeah. So it definitely talks out against that specifically because it's not a beauty pageant, beauty pageant. It's just a children's beauty pageant for the moms. Show off their little dowlins. Yeah. And I think there are a couple of lines from the not very nice beauty queen about the good points of actual beauty pageants, but I honestly can't remember because it's been a while since I've read the second book. Well, I have real life experience, so we can confirm or deny. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. But like I said, I'm not against a beauty queen being stupid and vapid because they exist. I'm against all beauty queens being stupid and vapid because no, that's unrealistic. You mean you're not stupid and vapid? I know. I actually never won any, so. Yeah, but you should have because you hot. Aw, thank you. You hot stuff. No, my closest attempt, I guess I can tell this story. I knew I lost. I took AP classes in high school and they make you read weird books. Like you do. And it was a round robin interview where you go in, you talk with one person, then time's up, talk with the next, talk with the next. And I believe there are four judges. And so you have to talk to each of them. I knew I lost when they were like, one more question. And they asked, what book have you read recently? And I put that nice smile on your face, you know, open and out personality, nice smile and said Frankenstein and walked to the next one. And I was like, well, that was weird. With no context, that sounded very weird. You know, in my free time, guys, I like to discuss the concepts of man versus monster and what we owe to our creations, you know, just as a habit. There is nothing wrong with reading Frankenstein. There's not, but it would have been better if I had explained why. Because I would have been very impressed and I am in the AP classes, but just to say Frankenstein with his really cute smile and walk off and be like, <laughs> that was not the answer he was expecting. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> but it, like I said, I've done a couple and they were good times. I also couldn't dance choreography were the crap. So I mean, okay. I don't like how they went back on Marge is the killer. I think it makes sense at the end because at first it made no sense. I was like, what the heck are they talking about? But then they were like, oh, Marie was asleep. Melvin killed him. Marge walked in, thought Marie did it. Marie came down and smelled bleach, thought Marge did it. That makes sense. Yeah. But I was kind of liking the real really heavy vibe of my friend did this for me and now she's passed away and she's left this note that basically is her I did it. And I was like, wow, that's a lot to think about. That's really heavy. That's a bittersweet ending. That really stands out. And then Melvin did it and it was a happy ever after and they tied it in a nice little bow and I was like, hmm. They do that a lot. I'm a little 
little disappointed. That's a theme in these books where they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be the worst possible outcome for sure. And then at the last minute, it's like, oh, whoops, psych, it's not. Just kidding. We just wanted you to have some emotions. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But I was a little disappointed because for so long, they make you sit in the bittersweetness of it all. And then in the second to last chapter, they're like, nope, just kidding this entire time. Melvin actually did it. We know we made it sound impossible, but. But Melvin for sure did it. I was actually standing in line waiting to vote while I was reading this portion of the book. And I seriously, when I got to that part where it got just randomly graphic with a whole knitting needle and shooting stuff, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I said that out loud. No. <laughs> and of course the people around me were like, what? And I'm like, weird part of this book. I'm reading a book. Please excuse me. Not gonna explain. There was somebody reading three spots ahead of me and they kind of had this nod like they understood but everyone else was looking at me odd. Uh, but yeah, it just randomly out of nowhere got very graphic because this whole time it's been hilarity. Like, oh, haha, they shot the gun through the roof. Oh, haha, Gertie shot whatever. Idabel was really good at shooting that crocodile. It was relatively clean for how much gun violence there was. Yep. But then at the end, they were like, nope, graphic detail. Here you go. And I thought about it. I guess I should have known it coming because they did technically have nudity in this, but I don't know. Up until that point, I still considered it a cozy mystery. I'm realizing it's not because I'm dumb. But up until that point, I put it in that category of kind of clean mystery. Reasons why I thought that you might like this book. It pretends to be a clean, cozy mystery. I do like a lot of parts of it. I did like the cover up at the end where she literally walked outside. She got washed off in the rain. She took off her jacket which was bloody, which we're going to assume that nothing else on her, like her jeans or nothing else, just that jacket got bloody. Just roll with it, man. Yeah, rolling with it. And then her pretending to break in the back door with a butter knife. That was kind of funny. And then they totally had that story ready. It was great. Yep. And Carter bought it immediately. It was great. So they did a burning Marge's confession and love letter. Marie goes to bed. Ida and Gertie are immediately like, so, who are you? And then she learns about them and it's kind of cool and I actually really like their background. Yeah, they have a really good background. Something that I didn't mention earlier, it takes half of the book for her to give the main character a name. No, she's said to be fortune reading at the beginning of the book. Mm -mm, I don't have it with me, but I took a note of that because she told us reading, but I had to read the back of the book to be like, what is her name? To write it down and she finally tells them at some point she's like, oh, Sandy Sue. She's like, actually I go by fortune. I'm like, thank you! That was one of the disadvantages, I think of writing from first person because most third person books always start with first name, last name, blah, 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 blah. I also think we're in her head a lot, which is another downside of first person. I don't know if that was the best choice for this book. Not that the author doesn't do it well, but I wonder if she did it in third person, if that would have been better. I also kind of wondered why she thought cataloging was boring after she found all that cool stuff that Marge has. Go through her stuff. She clearly has awesome things. I don't know why you're not excited about this. Because she still has to catalog it. Going through things and cataloging are two different things. Still, I would be excited for the excuse. Because she has weapons, she has these really cool books, she has military uniforms. Who knows what she has in that attic? I'm excited. Like, she should. That sounds like a fun time. It's kind of frustrating, though, because the entire book, she swings between, yes, let's totally do this, I'm excited about this, to, I should really stay out of this. No, fortune do the thing or don't do the thing. No wobbling. We don't got time for wobbling. She's got a lot on the line though, but she wants to help. But her life is at stake. Oh yeah, like she does so much to protect her cover. Yeah, but there's a lot 
on the line. <laughs> I just realized when they went to New Orleans, they didn't fix her hair. They just went to see the lawyer and then immediately drove back. They fix her hair in the next book. Oh, wow. I'm impressed with the continuity. Oh, no, the continuity is great. Oh, that's nice. They mentioned going on a summer vacation to Florida in book three or four and then actually do a summer vacation trip in either book five or seven. I can't remember which. That's impressive. I will respect the continuity then. But overall, I was kind of hoping this would be more of the Golden Girls meets CIA that it was born to be. But no, it's not. No, sorry. It's still a lot of fun. It's good. I'm excited for the future. Hopefully some of the characters, Fortune, get better. I like Fortune. I've seen too many of her. You're allowed to not like her, that's fine. But I read mystery a lot, and this is a very popular archetype, especially from older women. They really like to write women in their 30s. I guess publishers are like, oh, this is our audience, so we need to have somebody that age. But I'm just saying, Golden Girls means CIA would be for it. I enjoyed this book. I think it's got a lot of fun shenanigans in this one particular book. There's a lot of fun little funny moments as well as a lot of suspenseful moments in the book as well as a good amount of mystery and twists and turns. And the characters are all a lot of fun. I'm just trying to get more into the town drama because like I said, she does that really well. Always common. It's not this cliched amount of drama or really dumb drama. I mean, it is dumb drama, but... It's dumb town drama and it's fun. It's dumb small town drama of fighting over which congregation gets banana cream pie. It's not pie, it's pudding. True. Buy that woman a bigger fridge. Solve all of your problems. When they're trying to vote for new mayor, that's one of the things that one of the candidates does. She's like, I will fund for Francine's to have a bigger fridge. Oh my god. It's great. I'm really surprised they don't think about doing that earlier, but they're so caught in the one-upping each other that they're like, no, this is how it shall be. No, that's one of the first things that comes out on the debate is they're like, no, banana pudding. (laughs) It's her trump card. Clearly. She's like, banana pudding, y'all. Banana pudding. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. It's wonderful. So what would be your one question for the author? I would want to know who she based Ida Bell and Gertie off of, but I also kind of want to know what her thought process was after having written this book and looking back at it, what she would change if she could rewrite it. That would be interesting. Now that she's played with these characters for like 11 books, what she would change in this first book now that she knows her characters better. Maybe making Carter a serious love interest instead of just an obvious one. He becomes a serious love interest. It gets better. I know he becomes one, but this is how she introduced him to the world. This is just a pilot episode. And I stand by it. Harrison would have been cute. I am a sucker for love triangles. I'm not a sucker for them long term because I'm reading a specific one that they just drag them out too long for the archetype. I'm just not okay with it, them dragging it out needlessly. I hate that archetype so much. If you know when to start and end it, it can be done really well. And the only reason I hate it is because I pick the one that I like and then I get mad when the main character doesn't pick the one that I like. That is the one thing. If you make it too lopsided, it is agonizing. That is my problem with this other book series. They keep continuously making one of the candidates perfect for you, has your sense of humor, has a good job, cares about you, respects your opinion. Oh, and that other dude's hot. (laughs) No! Only redeeming factor about it. Is secretive about the other people that he dates, doesn't tell you about it, hides behind your back, is disrespectful of you, is kind of sexist. But, I mean, I guess he's hot, so clearly he's still a viable candidate. No, he's not a viable candidate at all! And the other thing is it's really obvious 
obvious he's a very sexual person and he doesn't get any from the main characters. Like, why are you still going after her? It's okay to be sexual, but this relationship doesn't make sense. Anyway, lopsided love triangles suck. That's not a love triangle. That is stupid. But I do think they could make a cute love triangle between Harrison and Carter until she makes a decision or chooses none of them or whatever. That is also an option. Love triangles never go for. You can choose neither of them. There was one book series I got so mad at because it was a love triangle and she picked the guy that she shouldn't go for and then he died and then she went for the other guy. And I was like, author, that is the most stupid loophole that you possibly could have ever come up with. And it's just wrong. That is having your cake and eating it too and the, no one wants that. Okay, that's a cop out. That was rude and uncalled for, man. Especially because she did it like the one guy figured out his problem so he could actually date the girl but the other guy had already proposed to her right before the first guy figured out his issues and I was like, no! No! <laughs> oh, I can one-up you. This book series. They both proposed to her at the end of the book. At the beginning of the next book, she decides it's just best if she keeps seeing both of them. No! Uh, yes, love triangles can be done very wrong, but if it was done well, I could see a really cute one between Harrison and Carter and Fortune. But that's probably not going to happen. And I have accepted that. It's really obvious. The author wants Carter to be the love interest. Fine. When they pop up way more times than is warranted, you know they want you to care about them. I guess my question, what the heck? Why is Hadley not in any other books? I loved her. Because there's not a reason for her to be in any of the other books. Have your fun cousin come down because Moro's worried about you. I don't know. It doesn't work like that. Apparently. Especially not when they don't know where the mole is in the CIA. It's gonna come back around. Hadley was the mole. She got pissed off because she didn't get any of those nice outfits. <laughs> no, it's not Hadley. I know, but that would have been funny. That would have been quite the villain speech at the end. It was me the whole time! <laughs> I've got tired of being looked over for you. What do you have? You keep failing your missions. You're not good at your covers and you still get fancy clothes. It's like, those are all fair points. Oh my goodness. I am actually sad. I really liked her from the very beginning. Allie's a good character. She has such a strong personality. And there are so many characters like, Allie doesn't really have a strong personality, but I can appreciate what her role is in the story. But it's a shame such a strong character never comes up again. So what would you rate this? I give it 9 out of 10. We're doing numbers now? I don't have a wonky thing. I'm a doohickey for this one. Because I'm, I'm tired and sick and I don't have the creative willpower to come up with one at this instant in time. <laughs> it's a 9 out of 10. Fair enough. Shooting an alligator out of 10. There you go. That would be pretty cool. Right in the back of the head. That one spot that's really hard to hit. First try. I still don't understand how you do that from the front, but that's okay. I'm not gonna try. She's just that impressive. It happened. That's all that matters. Maybe she was standing off to the side a little bit when it happened. I don't know. It doesn't need to make sense. She did it. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly... <sighs> I kind of give it a falling into the bayou out of 10. It's not the worst thing, but it wasn't the best thing ever. I think it was a good way to establish a series, and I hope the next ones are better. But if I had probably read this by myself, I probably wouldn't have kept reading. It's not for me. That's fair. I think at least Fortune isn't for me. There are books that you make me read that aren't for me, so I vibe with that. But I will say, I do adore Ida and Gertie. And I have plenty of book series that my husband likes to point out that I hate 
the main characters. That isn't a concern for me actually reading books. And I didn't hate Fortune. So we're already in the plus zone right now. And I am excited to see how the town drama plays out because it sounds ridiculous and wonderful and murder, which is always exciting. Oh, it's ridiculous. Especially when it's Louisiana murder and it's that old special kind of crazy. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. You can keep up to date with us by checking us out on Twitter or Instagram. And you can help support our podcast by checking us out on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can get access to our bonus episodes, where we look at the movie adaptations to some of your favorite books. This month, we're continuing our Harry Potter series with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, with a special appearance from our good friend, Caitlin Faith, psychology professional to the stars. Next time, we'll be going going through The Murder She Knit by Peggy Earnhardt. Thank you again so much for hanging out with us today. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Lizzie Sawyer. And we hope to see you and a friend here next time.